Hey guys, Emma Graney here, host of the Press Gallery podcast. Just a quick reminder to subscribe wherever you podcast. Let me know as well if you can't find it wherever that happens to be. And if you would like to, feel free to leave us a rating, um, even if you think we're terrible. But if you do think we're terrible, reach out to me. Well, you're probably not listening to this, but <laughs> but reach out to me, uh, Emma L. Graney on Twitter or egraney at postmedia.com. Enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, February 2nd, 2018, and this is the Put That In Your Pipeline and Smoke It edition. So with me today, Claire Clancy, my fellow legislative reporter, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for your help yesterday with... Uh Yes. The interesting day that we had. Yeah. Um, Janet French. Back by popular demand. Actually, yeah, I did get an email from a listener. Then I said, <laughs> is it? I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, no, and he said, no, no, this why is... are you laughing, Graham? That's <laughs> very <laughs> rude. And it, I mean, there's two, because there's one from me and then one from somebody else. So there's two. <laughs> so sweet. Saying, uh, more Janet French, please. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bible. is that my friend Andrew? And it was. <laughs> Thanks, but he Andrew. was very insistent. Oh, um, he had some good ideas anyway. This thanks, one's Andrew. for you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> and Graham Thompson, no one's demanded your appearance back again, but yet here you are. Not, not even me. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm raring to go. Just relax after my drive in to work this morning. <laughs> How did you describe that? <laughs> like watching angels drive upon the clouds? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> driving in Edmonton after a snowstorm is always a lot of fun. <laughs> Highly enjoyable. So today we are going to be talking about pipelines. It's going to be a multifaceted discussion because there are so many moving parts to this. We've got the pipeline kerfuffle. We've got a potential trade war on the horizon. We've got Trudeau's visit, which we're also going to talk about, which surprisingly enough did have something to do with pipelines as well. Well, it didn't originally, just kind of happened that way. So let's start off, though, with what happened with BC. Graham... What did BC do? Why well, don't we like? Why doesn't Alberta like BC right now? Well, <laughs> boy, that's a question we could ask every year annually. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, this was uh, BC government. Was it on Monday? Mm. Or Tuesday. Anyway, Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Tuesday? Yeah. Um, yeah. So BC suddenly announced it was looking at uh, bringing in regulations to limit the amount of bitumen that Alberta could pump through pipelines uh. from Alberta to the west coast. So the thing is. What they're saying is, you know, we have the right to protect our environment, but the pipelines, right now we have the Kinder Morgan pipeline that actually ships all kinds of energy products, including bitumen, through the pipeline, and uh, BC has no control over that. They don't sit there and monitor it, but now that they're going to expand, the the idea is to expand the Kinder Morgan pipeline uh, to basically twin it, all of a sudden BC is saying we want to regulate what's actually in that pipeline. And Alberta has just hit the roof saying, well, hold on for a second. This is a federal responsibility. It's an interprovincial pipeline. You know, that's been approved by the federal government. You don't get to say what actually gets through that pipeline, British Columbia. And uh, in effect, what Natalie is saying is that John Horgan, her good friend, like literally her good friend, fellow NDP premier. Are they still friends? Well, they they have been. They were. Mm -hmm. Right now, I would... This is the kind of thing that you fought. You unfriend someone on Facebook over this kind of nonsense. Uh, well, have they actually done that, do you think? Unfriended each other? Have well, actually on Facebook? We should so. check. We New should story check. today. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up. So anyway, so 
Alberta is saying basically BC is trying to uh, impose a trade embargo basically on, on Alberta getting its bitumen to, to market. What's really happening here is that BC, what BC is doing is tripping up once again the proposed expansion of that pipeline. It's a huge deal for Alberta economically as well as politically for the uh, Notley government. But her argument is, look, BC doesn't have the power to do this, should not be doing this, and the federal government is the one that should be stepping in right now, namely Trudeau, telling Oregon to back off because he's trying to intrude on federal responsibilities. Clancy, what was the fallout of this? It was an emergency cabinet meeting. Yeah, so Wednesday we had an emergency cabinet meeting um, where Notley basically came out and said um, this is illegal and unconstitutional. Um, And uh, then yesterday we had another news conference with the Premier where she basically said they're working on a legal strategy and now Alberta has suspended talks um, with British Columbia over basically sharing electricity or accessing electricity. Um, They were looking at different opportunities and apparently, uh, according to Notley, it could have led to up to $500 million per year for BC in revenue um, from giving Alberta access to that electric grid. I don't really understand how it works. Um, but uh, yeah, so she, she suspended talks. That's kind of the only um, like concrete move that's been made. And then she's also come out and said, Trudeau needs to do more. He needs to make a clear statement on this. Um, he needs to say that uh, that he, federal government is the only one that can regulate what goes into pipelines. I also want to point out that uh, the BC Premier, John Horgan, yesterday spoke with reporters and he said, I'm surprised by Alberta's reaction to this. Um, That's why, not true, John. <laughs> why is Alberta so <laughs> upset about this? And uh, basically, uh, yesterday, he kind of clarified, you know, we're planning to start a scientific advisory panel to do more spill studies. This is a reasonable action. Um, and, you know, what's all this saber rattling was the term he used. <laughs> Graham, you and I were both at that, emer- well, we weren't at the emergency cabinet meeting. They wouldn't let us stay. I Shocking. don't know why. <laughs> you know, I was prepared. I, You know, they had coffee in the room. It would have been fine. Um, so Notley kind of came in and did her rallying the troops mm-hmm. statement there. But I expected and I got the impression that there would be movement on Wednesday about a plan, like a concrete set of actions that Alberta was going to take. But that didn't end up happening. Were you surprised that they didn't come out on Wednesday with an actual, some steps? Because Notley said that she's been working on it Studying since the summer. Year. I know, yeah. well, since last year. Um, I think what happened in Cabinet, they were looking at various ideas the problem they're having is that most of the ideas have blowback against Alberta. You know, so if we were to uh, do things like turn a tap off, like Jason Kenney, the UCP leader, is suggesting we turn a tap off and stop oil going to BC, of course, that may feel good for a little bit for <laughs> Albertans, but then, of course, that invites um, a complaints under the trade agreements and invites uh, an escalation of this trade war. I think that um, you're right, Cabinet is limited, though. I think the problem they have right now in Alberta is what can we do that doesn't hurt Alberta? If you escalate a trade war, it's going to hurt you as well. I think that they were discussing ideas. What they're doing now is is figuring out how can we do this that doesn't make it worse for Alberta. As, As she kept saying yesterday, you know the expression, cutting off your nose to spite your face? Yeah. Notley kept saying twice, cutting off your face to spite your nose. And she said she was doing that on purpose. Because what if you did if you tried to turn the tap off it caused all kinds of problems and escalate this into a real bitter horrible fight, 
And she kept saying it'd be like cutting off your face to spite your nose. So there's a method in her madness there for her expression. But anyway, I think the point here is that Alberta is limited to what it can actually do. Mm. That's the problem they're having. Janet, you were working on a piece, weren't you, about things? Yes, Keith Ryan and I called up lots of (laughs) people yesterday. Uh Yes, yes, Uh we were. No, it was fun. (laughs) It was fun because we don't get to speculate very much in the newspaper. We're like, he said, she said. So yesterday we got to speculate and it was pretty fun. And so we called up some people and said, so what, what can we, like, what are Alberta's options? And are they viable? Are they legal? Are there repercussions that would make them undesirable? And like Graham said, really the only thing that people sort of agreed on was that Alberta's Alberta is not <laughs> in a great power position on on this one. That there's not uh, almost everything would have some kind of repercussions that would be unpleasant or possibly more deleterious than the initial move itself. So the energy is one. Um, I talked to uh, a, a fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute in Calgary who study who's spent a long time working. Uh, studying the electrical markets and uh, understands way more about this than I do because it's very complicated. <laughs> Those experts are but great. I know. That's why Claire's like, I don't know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so basically, you know, Jason Kenney had proposed this idea that, oh, well, we should uh, we should have a moratorium or uh, just cut off buying all electricity from BC. Well, in the last couple of years, BC bought more of our electricity than we bought of theirs. So where's the benefit in that? Um, and uh, the reason they're buying it is because it's cheap right now in Alberta. Mm. And going forward, suppose that uh, we, when we have, we're phasing out coal, right? So as, as coal produced electricity becomes less uh, abundant in Alberta, then we may need to buy more renewable electricity, right? We're trying to have 30% renewables by 2030, I believe. So we're going to need BC's hydro to meet that target probably and uh, if we do continue to consume made in Alberta electricity it's going to be more and more expensive so then that will be passed on to taxpayers which will not necessarily be very popular with the voters so that would be one issue then there's the matter of the legal action so I talked to constitutional lawyer um, Eric Adams who's a professor at the University of Alberta and he kind of we're, it's too, way too early to talk about legal action. Yeah. First of all, um, there's no actual regulation passed yet. So there's nothing to take to the court to get an injunction against, oh, right? It's, it's yeah, all just talk, right. right? You can't, can you get an injunction against the premier talking about ideas in the, in media? Yes. Sure. <laughs> if you want the real to try, no, okay. But, you know. Sounds like a good way for lawyers to just make <laughs> money, print money. But uh, so there's that. Number two is that this isn't Alberta's pipeline, Right. It's not even Alberta's issue. It's a Canadian issue. Yeah, okay. So, so is Alberta the right uh, plaintiff if there was such a case? Shouldn't it be Kinder Morgan? Because they're the ones that could have a reasonable case to prove damages, like financial damages from um, those environmental regulations holding back their expensive project, right? Um, and the other issue is that the Constitution has nothing to say about the environment because the environment, and I quote, wasn't a thing. In Janet's 18- putting air quotes around that. <laughs> wasn't <laughs> a thing in 1867. So, so that, it so was a said thing, that, but not a concern. It's a thing. <laughs> I mean, it was there, but not a thing, you know. Anyway, so uh, so since then, there's been various court rulings on jurisdiction, like whose jurisdiction is the environment, and yeah. the court rulings have said, this is what Professor Adams says, that, well, if it's a local issue, then it's a provincial matter, and then if it's a matter of national importance, then it's a federal issue. So it's, it's not even really clear. Uh, they would have to, Alberta would have to prove that BC is making this move specifically targeted to block this particular pipeline. 
And if you look at the kind of language that the BC government officials are using to talk about it, I think they're being pretty careful to say like, no, this is just a general environmental concern. Never mind the timing. That's just a a quirk. Isn't that a quirk? Just a funny thing. Never mind the fact there's been several environmental reviews of this pipeline already. Mm. It's gone through. So the thing is, and it's going, I mean, to cut you off. Um, no, Janet, no, I'm good. But the thing is, going back to what Janet She's said. She's already hulking into her tea. She's this, <laughs> this is why uh, Alberta's pleading or demanding action from the federal government. The one player here with the power, the constitutional power, legal power, whatever, moral power, is the federal government to come in and say to BC, uh, you can't do this. This pipeline's going to go ahead. And, you know, we can work with you in terms of environmental protection, but uh, this is a federal responsibility. So that's why Notley is pushing the prime minister into acting. Of course, politically, he's caught um, because there's a lot of votes for the liberals in British Columbia. <laughs> more than, more than the, in Alberta. Even I more would, than in Alberta. I would have to guess. <laughs> so he doesn't <laughs> want to uh, irritate uh, BC too much. He's trying to find a, a middle way. But when he's saying things like the pipeline will get built, yeah, that's great, but you know, Notley's under a lot of uh, pressure in terms of timing. There's an election mm. coming up a year from now. She needs that pipeline to get under construction politically. And, you know, there's also the economic issues, the financial issues, but the political issue right now is a gun to her head. She has to get that pipeline under construction, at least ha- get it on. Well, she doesn't build it. It must get Kinder Morgan the approval to get the pipeline under construction this year ahead of the next provincial election. I thought what was also really interesting yesterday at the press conference was Notley saying the Alberta government will support Albertans, will look for tools for Albertans who want to look at boycotting BC businesses um, when a question was asked about whether there would be support for kind of boycotts. And I thought that was a very uh, interesting line of what? Question. There's, there's a restaurant in Fort McMurray that announced yesterday that they are no longer serving BC wine. Oh, in your face, Okanagan yeah. Valley. Yeah, it's strictly Alberta wine from now on. <laughs> oh, great. Don't want your <laughs> dirty, <laughs> dirty booze. <laughs> when it comes to the trade issue, though, I'm getting the distinct impression from people I've spoken with, they don't give a flying rats about trade agreements anymore, like the New West and interprovincial trade agreements, that they're basically putting them out the window and being like, screw it. They cared about it with license plates. I know they did, (laughs) which is why it's kind of interesting. Oh, speaking of license plates, Scott Moe, the new Saskatchewan Premier, jumped right on board with Alberta first Mm -hmm. thing on on Wednesday and put out a a Facebook statement saying, yeah, Alberta, we got your back. And I was like, dang, Scott. Well, they have just Welcome as much to, to lose party. because, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. they've, they're, they're, they also sell oil to BC. Right? Yeah. They need so. to get oil. yeah, exactly. So they're on the same pipeline boat. Yeah, yeah, it's a unifying issue, I guess, for Saskatchewan and Alberta. Yeah, license plate issue. That's just That's all. all, all go the to the bridge. construction site and what have a big is. group hug. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the whole pipeline issue came to a fore just as Justin Trudeau visited Edmonton yesterday on Thursday. Clancy and I covered that. I got to go early in the morning and watch the Prime Minister try pickleball, which I didn't think was a real thing. I honestly got to this press conference, not press conference, it was like uh, a thing at the Millwoods Seniors Centre and there were some people there playing badminton and then these other people with these weird like paddle things. And I said to old mate, excuse me, sir, do you play pickleball? Because I thought the other journalists were actually pulling my leg and making up a sport just because I'm foreign and they were all in on the joke. I, I, I really did think that. And so this this fellow said, oh, yeah, I play pickleball. I said, so it's a real thing. And he kind of laughed and said, of course, it's a real thing. And explain pickleball to me. And it turns out 
videographer Sean Butts, who's in the room right now filming some of this to put it online at EmmontonJournal.com. He plays pickleball. And we'll be doing a video demonstration later. <laughs> <laughs> One of our interns wrote a feature about it, about the rise of pickleball. I don't know how I missed yeah. that because then someone tweeted at me. Uh, yeah. The point is... Justin Trudeau had a cute pickleball. <laughs> and he was in Edmonton yesterday. Yeah, I guess it's a very long way of saying um, he was in Edmonton well, yesterday. And he started the day being asked on the radio about this uh, breaking issue with pipelines. And he kept saying, he's repeated repeatedly said, um, this, is a, this is in Canada's national interest. The federal mm-hmm. government's going to decide what that is. We're on board with the Trans Mountain Pipeline. We'll get it built. Um, but then after those comments on the radio, uh, Notley had her conference in the afternoon and said that wasn't going far enough so um yeah so i think we've seen the pm you know voice his support of the pipeline Mm. but the question is you know how much how much more is he going to do the the notley her office was trying to arrange a meeting with um the prime minister he's actually in town they had to get together they didn't they did have a half an hour phone discussion dealing with this um but again notley was pushing him and apparently you know he is not going as far as she would like him to go. He's not coming out with any concrete plan of action either, right? And so, and as you said, the political implications for the Liberals in BC are pretty, uh, pretty, they're they're something to be considered, that's for sure. Well, we we tried to ask the Prime Minister about this at the second photo op, which was when he met up with Mayor Don Iverson um, out at Millwoods at a dry pond thing. It was freezing outside. My God. (laughs) But... We tried to say, hey, Prime Minister, can we ask you about pipelines? And he just kind of kept on walking. So, And he was asked about it at the town hall, which was at McEwen University yes. last night. Um, and he kind of went with the same line as what he had said on the radio. But he did add, um, I didn't listen to the full radio interview, so I don't know if it's exactly the same wording. But he did say um, the federal government will decide what's in Canada's national interest and we're the government to say that, which is kind of echoing what Notley had been saying at her press conference as well. So the town hall was a bit of fun. Actually, when um, when the guy asked the question about pipelines, that's when those protesters got up and they unfurled some fabric banners that said, Albertans against Kinder Morgan. No jobs on a dead earth, yeah. dead planet. Yeah, no jobs yeah. on a dead planet. And something about respect something. I don't know what the other one said. I was blocked by the camera guys. But what did we think of the town hall? Did you watch this, Graham? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. You watched he, the whole thing? There were, Ooh. I think, I mean, there were just so many questions on a variety of subjects. Like I, we talked about, I mean, there were questions about um, the veterans' pension plan. The mm-hmm. pipeline probably took up two minutes of the full two hour. I was surprised that hall. wasn't more of a... I know, I was, th- I was really surprised. Yeah. We're all on this topic, right. a front page, like literally front page, and it's in leading newscasts. And the, yeah. the, the two hour... Uh, town hall with the prime minister and one question kind of sort of dealt with it yeah ish it was it, a, it wasn't yeah. even directly about what are you doing about the, the question it was about, about employment yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah yeah so it wasn't even dealing with this issue and i thought are we out of touch or <laughs> the average person doesn't really uh pay attention to what's actually happening we've got our finger on the pulse gram people don't really pay attention that much to what's actually going on in the day-to-day news i think so this is a big issue it's it's a major issue and if it drags on it will become a bigger issue for the public, especially if you say there's jobs tied here. Yeah. And if it's getting to a war with BC, an escalating war, it'd be much more of an issue. It's just sort of dawning on people right now. So it wasn't a, a, a big issue, but a lot of people. But the town hall overall, I thought, was um, 
it wasn't exactly that exciting. He did get booed <clears throat> he got a fair booed, amount. And people were, one guy just wouldn't shut up. Apparently that's quite common at these things. That guy, I, so he just kept getting up and yelling. And then um, as Trudeau was trying to answer a question to one of the veterans, whose name was Brock, who I spoke with briefly afterwards, really nice guy. Uh, he's an Afghanistan veteran, lost his leg um, over there. Old mate just kept yelling at the prime minister when he's trying to answer the question to Brock. And the prime minister was like, hey, look, Okay, I'm trying to answer a question to a veteran right now. You're being actually really disrespectful. And then everyone started booing the guy who kept yelling. Yeah. And so, and then he kind of stopped and then he started again. And Trudeau's like, hey, look, you need to... And he, he was like watching a teacher at work. You could tell he was a teacher because he was like, okay, let's make a deal. If you stop yelling right now, I'll give you the microphone next. How about we do that? <laughs> and then old mate stopped yelling. But then when the Prime Minister went to that section, he wouldn't put his uh, hand up to actually ask a question. Oh, is that right? He just kept, yep, yeah, I was watching him the whole time because I was like, dude, now's your chance, man. But he just kept sitting there and with his arms crossed looking really mad and then getting up and yelling every now and again. It was interesting to watch Trudeau in action. You know, it, it yep. takes a bit of courage um, to actually go there to Prime Minister in front of, and these are not scripted questions, obviously, and the audience is not hand-picked. We've seen this in the past with politicians who pick their audiences very carefully. So I thought it was interesting. No, no one would ever do that, And he he handled himself (laughs) really well. He had a lot of tough questions, and also there's some questions he knew were just dealing with a person's particular issue. Yeah. And he said, look, we'll talk to you afterwards. So I thought, you know, he's very skillful on his feet, and he's very good. I didn't learn a lot, though, beyond (laughs) a lot of platitudes on a lot of issues. Mm. But he's really not, he was not defensive, which is a very... No. It's an interesting strategy. It's funny, though, because my husband just flew back from Texas last night. And um, when people found out he was Canadian, they were like, oh, you've got that good looking young prime minister. <laughs> so it's interesting to contrast like the kind of reaction he gets when he when he's going to all these like tough crowd town halls across Canada. And yet it doesn't gel with his international image. So, yeah, I have friends in Australia who like one friend in particular, um, my friend Ange, she's basically obsessed with Justin Trudeau. Tell us more. And I, well, I texted no, her a don't. photo really of him playing pickleball, <laughs> and she just was like, OMG, this is my new screensaver at work. And apparently wow. she, she, yeah. So I was like, wow, dude, that's something. <laughs> well, the thing is, what happens now? This whole trade war, or what looming trade war with, um, with BC, because you got Notley's written a letter to Horgan, she's a told the Prime Minister to get more involved. Oh, there's nothing harsher than an angry word letter. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, what's going to happen now? Well, what does he actually have to say? Who? He? The the Prime Minister. Oh, the Prime Minister. I think what she wants him to say is tell Horrigan, the federal government is the one that regulates pipelines, not you. I think she wants the Prime Minister to say, stop your nonsense, John. And, uh, you know, Trudeau hasn't, yeah, he definitely hasn't in in the last day anyway, when we've been listening to him, he hasn't actually come out and directly commented towards Horgan. No, he hasn't. Right. Well, isn't he in BC today? I think we should, uh, or he's on, his, he's on his way to his town hall there, right? I think he has one in Nanaimo. Okay, Nanaimo, well, we should so. watch, it'll be really interesting to see the tone of the discussion there, whether this even comes up and um, what kind of tack he takes and whether that the kind of language he uses is any different than the way he talked about That's it in Alberta. That's true. You know what was interesting um, at the town hall last night when he w- when the pipeline issue did come up and he talked about, okay, we need as a government to have strong environmental protections for oceans and we need to know that 
we do need to rely on this on the energy industry. The third thing was like, and we need to make sure we have the safest pipeline network. Yeah. that we've got rigorous standards for moving yeah. that oil around. And it was sorry. It, no, no, no. He had the three point. You're exactly right. He had the three points there. It just made me giggle that he mentioned the oceans in Alberta. That's <laughs> <laughs> stop the Saskatchewan seal hunt. <laughs> <laughs> the marine protection plan. <laughs> he did. He kept mentioning yeah. the marine protection plan. I'm like, That's bro, audience, you're <laughs> in Alberta. No one cares about that here. <laughs> Until the oceans all rise and then Alberta becomes beachfront property. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move to our regular segment. Unless there's anything else that anyone really wants to... Graham, you're rolling your eyes? Or you no, just, no, no. I'm just he just wants to ceiling. get driving Just again. looking at the ceiling. Looking at the ceiling. Just <laughs> apropos nothing, looking at the ceiling. Let's move to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we've read or seen or listened to lately that you, dear listeners, might also enjoy. Clancy, what do you have for us today, mate? Sure. I'm going to recommend a piece in um, Splinter from um, a journalist, a freelance journalist. That it's called How to Not Die in America. And it's a very... <laughs> wow. Good it's, advice. Yeah, it's a really interesting personal essay, basically, about her experience going through um, a very serious uh, medical scare and racking up a $600,000 medical bill and what, what that would have meant for her life with and without insurance. And it's a really interesting comparative. I think also, I think as Canadians, because we have a public health care system, often we're a little bit um, distant from like what it costs, what some medical services actually cost. And so it's a really interesting read um, about, you know, what insurance companies how they operate and um yeah and i yeah i enjoyed it jenna what do you have for us mate uh i'm gonna recommend a column in the globe and mail competitors um by <laughs> denise Bolkasoon. uh so there's two pretty high fo- profile trials going on right now in canada that have to do with racism and one is the colton bushi trial in saskatchewan um mm-hmm. gerald stanley is on trial for uh allegedly shooting him on his farm. And the other one is the the trial of Raymond Cormier, uh, who was accused of killing Tina Fontaine, who was a little teen, who was uh, in foster care at the time. And there was a bit of internet rage earlier this week when uh, there was a bunch of evidence presented about the fact that there um, were drugs and alcohol in Tina's system when her body was found. And so Denise just writes this really moving column, just kind of adding all this context to like, what, what, first of all, why do we care whether she, what she was using at the time? And um, also just sort of the, the pain and the racial overtones of the situation and how, how, how little, how not far we have come in the time since her death, which sort of it, it infuriated so many people and yet sort of nothing has changed. The Regina Leader Post, where I used to work, they did a really great series around Christmas about um, race in Saskatchewan, kind of piggybacking off the Colton bushy thing. So mm-hmm. it's, I'm going to, I'll throw that in your recommendations. You're yeah. welcome. Um, I, though, am going to recommend a podcast. Clancy, look at that. Yay. I'm doing your thing. I know. This is actually, I've only just started listening to this this morning. So I've only heard the, fu- the first little bit. Shout out to my friend Colleen in Saskatchewan who actually put this on Facebook and recommended it. It's called Slow Burn, a podcast about Watergate. And it is it is something. The first I've been listening episode. to it too. It's so good. <laughs> it, it sounds amazing. So it's basically like the inside story of Watergate, but the pretext of it is would we even know if we were living through another Watergate now and the way this Martha woman was treated who was like the 
wife of the deputy attorney general yeah wife yeah of the attorney general like oh my god i anyway this is a terrible description of it but just go and listen to it because i've been suckered in straight away and i'm gonna keep on listening i just watched all the president's men for the first time for the really? first time i know i've right. never seen I'm it younger than you what? <laughs> what? that's a great movie well, you know, it's not as if it came out once and hasn't come back until now it's been out there for uh, years it's been on my list i'm busy woman okay <laughs> <laughs> So now you can go and listen to um, Slow Burn, Will the do. podcast. Graham, what do you have for us? Um, as you know, I was in London recently. Yeah. yeah. You, he brought me back a mug. I spent half my vacation looking for this souvenir mug for Emma <laughs> of the um, Harry and Meghan. Engagement. Yeah, and they were you sold even, out everywhere. You anyway. even sent me an email saying yeah. that uh, they're not, they're, you can't get them in London. And I said, well, that's it. I've become a Republican now. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah. I'm done. Um, <laughs> done with the monarchy. Well, actually... Uh, there's a story there that sort of blended in the Me Too movement and the importance of journalism, and that is there was an investigation done by the Financial Times in London. They have every year there was this um, men's only club have a charity. These are really uh, rich men who they bid on things like a Land Rover vehicle, and the money goes to charity. They have it at this um, at a hotel, and there's 300 men, and they hire 150 young women who are told to dress in black, tight dresses. And this is goes, it's gone for years, and the men get really drunk and then start making you know, sexual advances to the women. And um, Sounds this, great. Wow. This, this reporter went in there, Financial Times, and went undercover with a camera. And it caused a huge stink in Britain. Uh, went to Parliament, you know, these men behaving really badly, using their position of power to you know, grope, like physically grope these young women. So it became a really big issue in Britain, and the clubs enforced it to, to shut down. Uh, all kinds of implications as a domino effect in Britain based on the Financial Times, a journalist going undercover to expose what's actually happening. So I thought that was interesting. Was it a male or a female journalist? Who that was my question. A female <laughs> journalist. Oh, very so interesting. So she dressed like yes. one of the So, so she was hired okay. as a, a hostess, a Carlton hostess. So she went in there uh, as a hostess. You know, she, got, and she has it all on camera. She's getting dressed up. She's going out, and it's uh, on, on the hidden camera. And, uh, sounds like a really camera. hazardous assignment. <laughs> wow. And the thing it's interesting to see the reaction from people. Most people are saying this is outrageous. You know, this old boys club this continues in Britain. Others are saying, well, come on, the women knew what they were getting into. No, they were getting paid to, to serve drinks, not to be groped by drunken men. But it is showing you this, this uh, level of society in Britain. It's still there. You know, the old boys club, it's literally yeah. the old boys club with lots of money mm. using, using their position to get drunk and using an excuse to actually sexually harass and assault uh, young women. Wow. I'm looking to the to days that. when men tried to charm us and win us over. They're gone, it. Janet. Yeah, no, clearly. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> They're over. They're, They're dead now. They never were those days. <laughs> yeah. Um Thank you so much for joining me, Clancy, Janet French, and Graham Thompson. Claire Clancy, I should use your whole name. <laughs> Clancy's fine. And photographer Sean Butts, um, here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe anywhere that you podcast. And again, if you can't find it wherever you listen to podcasts, do let me know. Uh, Emma L. Graney on Twitter or egraney at postmedia.com. If you want to email me, feel free. Join us again this time next week on the Press Gallery.